Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. And I have a special guest. And you know what? The last time I had this guy on the show was over four years ago. Is that right, Steve? That's right, man. It's been a while, Joe. <laughs> long time. So it's crazy just to think about how long I've been doing this podcast. And uh, I'm glad to have Steve on the phone with me. Right now we're on Skype, actually, to be more accurate. But um, this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is where we talk all things real estate. And we talk about what's working today in the market. And I only have people on the show that I interview that I know and trust and I feel like have something of real serious value to give to you guys. And Steve is one of those guys. I've known Steve for a long time. He has been an active investor for way longer than I have. I mean, he just doesn't... How long have you been full-time, Steve? We'll get into this in a minute, but... Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going on 14 years in the business, full-time, uh, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, man. So I when I was first getting started, I remember FlippingHomes.com, which was the kind of the big site back then in 2005, 2000, between 2005 and maybe 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve was active on there. He was in this exclusive group of real estate investors that uh, Steve Cook was mentoring at the time. And I just thought, oh, it would be so cool to be like Steve. And uh, here we are as friends. <laughs> and and uh, if I only knew then what I know now, I wouldn't be all that impressed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I sit around and think, man, if I could only be like Joe, you know. <laughs> so, oh, that's so funny. It's Steve is a good friend now. He, uh, you know, when he's in the St. Louis area, we, he stayed over at my house last time he was here. But uh, so anyway, Steve, I'm glad you're on the show. First, let me tell everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. We've got some really cool things there for you guys. And on the right-hand side of the website now is this thing called Free Wholesaling 101 Mind Map. And on there, you can get a complete course from beginning to end on how to wholesale deals and it's all in a mind map with a bunch of videos and tools and checklists and contracts and all of our marketing pieces. It's all in there. Go check it out. It's completely free. And you can go get it at realestateinvestingmastery.com. You can also please leave us a review on iTunes if you like the show. We've got well, almost 500 reviews total when you look at iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all that. So we appreciate the reviews. We really do. And I just ask that you guys keep on bringing them in. Okay, cool. So, Steve, one of the things that uh, I thought I knew you, at least I knew your story just from kind of following you on Flipping Homes way, way back in 2006 and seven. Mm -hmm. When you told me your story the other night, <laughs> like six months ago, uh, <laughs> it, I was blown away. You've got an amazing story. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started in real estate and talk about your first deal. Sure. So, um, all right. Uh, I graduated college in 1999 as a communication arts major and a minor in jazz guitar performance, which basically meant 
I have zero business background and I had a whole lot of fun in college and I got a degree. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much pretty much what it was. So uh, I, I immediately uh, came home from college. I took the first job I was offered. I actually knew somebody who knew somebody who was able to get me into an IT job. Well, if you remember back in 1999, IT was kind of all the rage, right? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and so I was fortunate enough to get a job. I think, Joe, I think they offered me $36,000 at that point in time. And that was the most money I had ever heard of in my entire life. I might as well had $10 million coming at me. Um, that was just a huge amount of money to somebody fresh out of college. It didn't even have to go on an interview. So, man, I, I went ahead and I, I didn't ask any questions. I immediately signed up for that. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, I, I found myself in the day-to-day -day grind. I was nine to five, which really turned out to be more like nine to seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just commuting one hour each way up and down the road and, um, you know, and all that. So that was, uh, that was where I got myself into debt. You know, I did what a lot of people do. They're paying off student loans. They go out and buy a nice new car. I did all that stuff. Okay. I got the t-shirt and, and all that good stuff. So, I realized, and I'm very fortunate to have realized very early on that A, the nine to five thing kind of sucks. The whole paycheck to paycheck thing is no fun. Right. But most importantly, I realized early on that if I was going to be free, I was going to have to buy my own freedom. And so that led me down this path of discovery of entrepreneurialism. And over that, uh, over I worked at that job for about four years. And over that time frame, I investigated many entrepreneurial activities. I mean, I had looked into, you know, selling stuff on eBay and, and all the rest. But I came across this website in IT. Here's the great thing. In IT, you have a lot of downtime, especially in a government IT. I, I was a government contractor. And you have a lot of downtime. So that means if you've got the Internet right there, you can research all sorts of money making opportunities while you get paid to do so. Uh, yeah. However, ethical or not ethical, that might be. Um, <laughs> that's what that's what we were doing. So anyway, so I had come across this website, FlippingHomes.com. And you just referenced uh, earlier on. And so how did you how did you come across it, Steve? I'm just curious. <laughs> You know, man, that's a great question. I don't know, but I will tell you this. At that point in time, and this was the early 2000s, that was one of the top, if not the top, uh, uh, real estate investing websites on the Internet at that time. You had CRE online and some others, but FlippingHomes.com was one of the top ones, and they just had a really good community there. And I'll tell you, Joe, I was actually into the website and all that stuff before I even realized that this man named Steve Cook was behind it and that he only lived just up the road from me. I was in Southern Maryland at the time uh, in Baltimore, mm -hmm. Maryland. And it occurred to me, you know, as I, as I got to follow the website and things, that he would do these boot camp once a year or twice a year. And so really long story short, one came up and I scrounged together some change from underneath the couch cushions and all that stuff. And I was able to pull together enough money to go. It was probably a thousand bucks at the time or whatever. And uh, I went up there and, uh, you know, very long story short, I took what he taught, came home, brought it home, and, uh, applied it in my local market, which it was different. And that's uh, something a lot of people don't realize. A lot of times they buy courses and they have to bring it home and tweak it to their to wherever their local market or the market that they desire to invest in is. So I did that. And um, 
with the help of uh, a local woman. Her name was Irene, and she owned both a loan, loan brokerage and a real estate brokerage. And she was an older woman who was looking to kind of mentor some young uh, young guys, and I happened to be one of them. With her help and Steve Cook's help, I was able to put together a deal that we uh, we wholesaled to a local local builder and made over $100,000 on that very first deal. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. <laughs> 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 did you guys hear that? <laughs> okay. So, uh, Steve, you, you did $100,000 on your first deal. That's uh, right. What did you do? I mean, Steve, <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of you guys know Steve Cook. Uh, he, he's been in the real estate business for a long time. He's a good friend of mine and Steve's. And he's a coach that uh, has helped hundreds, if not thousands, of people in the country, all over the world, in the, their business and in their life and stuff like that. But He's a very simple guy. I mean, he just teaches you simple stuff that really works well. Uh, do you remember what it was that he was teaching you back then to do? Well, Steve was teaching what he what he always had taught back then, which was both rehabbing and wholesaling. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, so I was I've always been a rehabber, Joe. I've always just liked taking that the nasty house and putting it back together and making it beautiful again. And, and, you know, over the years we've had our work featured on HGTV and actually we just won the, uh, think realty, uh, uh, contest for the best kitchen, uh, renovation, the the rockstar renovation. So I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. and, And that's what I went to learn from Steve, but I also picked up on the wholesaling stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, the story picks up as to how that deal actually came together was we did a very small marketing campaign, nothing like we would do these days where we're sending out hundreds of thousands of uh, mailers, but we sent out probably 17 pieces of mail, Joe. I mean, this was just so incredibly fortuitous that we just sent out this very small uh, uh, piece of mail. We didn't do multiple mailings. We just sent out one mail, and it was me and then a friend of mine. And uh, probably six months down the down the line, this guy called and he said, hey, Steve, I don't even know if you're still interested, but I do have two of these lots in this neighborhood that I'm interested in selling. It was this older gentleman and he seemed like a very well-to-do kind of guy. And I said, "Okay, you've got two lots there. What do you want to get for them? And as I'm on the phone with him, I'm pulling up. Uh, on the listings, what they're going for, because I actually did not did not know I had forgot about it. You know, and here he's called me out the blue, and I was very quickly able to determine that they were going for around one hundred and five thousand dollars a piece. And he said, "Well, I've got two of these things." I said, "Well, what would you like to get for them?" He responded, "He said, I'd like to get thirty two five for them." <laughs> wow. So I almost dropped the phone and, you know, I did what any nervous newbie would do. I said, "Okay, well, let me take down your information. I'll call you right back. So I called this woman, Irene, who had advised me to do a mailing into this particular neighborhood because she knew the builders were were uh, ramping up in there. And see, this is on the ramp up to 2005 at this point. This yeah. is uh, and so everybody is just going gangbusters trying to get uh, lots in there. So so anyway, so I called her and I said, "Look, this guy's got these lots for sale. He wants thirty two five apiece." And she goes. You better buy them. <laughs> Just like that. Kind of yelled at me, you know. Uh-huh, and, yeah. and so I did what a typical newbie would do. I started freaking out. And I, I was like, well, oh, oh, hold on a second. I, I don't have any money. I've got $1,000 in a checking account. And that's it. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And she completely cut me off, Joe. She said, stop. She said, just get it under contract and we'll figure out the rest. Well, I said, well, oh, hold on. I don't have a contract. I, I don't, <laughs> what does that mean? Under <laughs> contract, you know. She said, Steve. Do you have the gentleman's number? Or can you call him and get him to come to my office? And will you meet me and him in my office? I said, yes, I can do that. She said, do that. 
get him to meet me in here. And I think it was like on a Saturday morning, get him to meet me in here at Saturday at 9 a.m. I'll have all the paperwork pulled together and we'll, we'll take it from there. I said, all right, great. So sure enough, I showed up on that Saturday morning. There he is. There she is. She sits us all down. She presents all the paperwork. We sign all the paperwork and he gets up and leaves. And I'm like, okay, now what? And this is back, you know, she's old school. She breaks out this big phone book and she slams it on the desk and she opens it up and she looks down and she finds a builder's phone number that she's got a relationship with. She calls him and says, Hey, I've got two lots for you. Would you be interested? He said, absolutely. I'd be interested. So uh, what we did is we contracted to buy the lots contingent on a passing perk test, which long story short is where they test the soil to make sure that you put a system on it. And we uh, just contingent on that. So if they did not pass them, we would not be obligated to buy them. And then the gentleman on the other end of it, the the local builder, he got a deal. He agreed to buy them for $95,000 a piece. We were buying them for $32,500 a piece. Uh, contingent on a passing perk. And just a few months later, we did the perk test. It costs uh, $1,100, $1,200 to do the perk test. And my friend who was in the deal put up the money. So I had no money in this deal. He put up the money for the perk test. And then we ended up essentially doing a a dry double closing, which you could still do back in those days, where we used the uh, end buyer's funds to finance both the first and second transaction. And after Irene took a very handsome commission, which she most certainly deserved, out of the middle, we got a check that dropped out in between that was 101,363.50. I remember the number like it was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you said something at the very beginning. It was like six months after you sent the mail that this guy called you. So what yep. were you doing in between that six months when you first sent the, the first batch of mail? I had completely forgotten about these lots. I was always looking for a rehab opportunity. And little was I to know that almost as soon as this deal closed, this first wholesale deal closed, um, I actually landed one of my first uh, rehab deals. And then I went and I did that deal and I made $62,000 on that one. And I took it as a sign from God that this was a uh, something that I needed to be involved in at that point. So then I put a plan into place to quit my job and do that. So, well, so I me, actually, let me, yeah. let me rewind though. Yeah. Cause you started sending out direct mail, but it was six months before you got your first deal. Yeah. So yeah. what were you doing in between that time? Were you freaking out? Like, I've been doing this for six months. It doesn't work. And what am I doing wrong? And, and all that stuff. What was going through your head? Um, uh, the honest answer is, Joe, I really don't recall. But I, I think that what I was doing was always just forward progression. So I think I, I did what she told me to do, which was do the mailing. And then I kind of did it. And, and quite frankly, I forgot about it. You know, it's, it's nothing like we would do now where marketing is systematized and we're doing stuff regularly and we're following up and all that stuff. I mean, it was nothing like that. These were very, very beginners. So, uh, you know, if anybody's listening to this, it's brand new. They could probably relate to that. They just, just kind of tried something and then just kind of kept going. So, um, and so to be honest with you, I really don't recall what I was doing in between. Were you, were you making offers? Do you think? I think I was more interested at that point in time that in getting some sort of recurring advertising going. So okay. one of the things that I did during that time was I took out uh, an ad in the penny saver and that for many years, just a little tiny ad in the back of the class, uh, in the back of the yeah, classified sections in the um, uh, uh, homes for sale section or the home services section for many years yielded the bulk of my calls that I got. Wow. 
Yeah. And I ran that for years. I mean, I, I probably ran that for, oh, I don't know, at least five years. And I, I continued to run it until my calls dropped off because I actually saw the whole thing where the penny saver advertising shrunk to where it was where it was no longer a book. It used to be like a book, like you would get it and there was value there. People would hold on to it and it had a crossword puzzle in the back and stuff like that to where it shrunk down to this little thing that just looked like a, a newspaper rag. And all that advertising, Joe, during that time, of course, went to AdWords and Google as that stuff ramped up. So I actually saw that happen. And, you know, I couldn't justify it in the end because I just was no longer getting calls. All the advertising had gone online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, one of the things that we I remember talking with you about when you were here was Steve is very, very simple and clear on make offers, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you do every day? Make offers. If somebody calls and complains, how many offers did you make in the last week? But when did that like really start clicking? You know what? I if I want to do a lot of deals, I got to make a lot of offers. Yeah. Well, it's that is a funny thing. I mean, I, I always have made a lot of offers. I would say probably that started clicking for me once I actually made some money starting to do this, and once I realized that you're not going to get anything if you're not making offers, right? I will tell you this, though, today in coaching my own coaching students, I will find a lot of times they will come to me and they'll say, Steve, I'm not I'm not getting any deals right now. And I just I just can't figure it out. I'm so frustrated right now. And I say, "Okay, great. How many offers did you make in the past two weeks? And they'll say, oh, um, I haven't made any offers in the past two weeks. (laughs) And I'll say, well, what were you expecting? What type of deals were you expecting to magically drop out of the air and land in your lap? It's just not going to happen that way. So I I guess my point to you, Joe, is that sometimes even folks who are experienced and even folks who are around others that are experienced sometimes forget that the lifeblood of this business is, in fact, making offers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've harped on that and preached on that a hundred million times. And Mm -hmm. I learned it from the same guy you learned it from, (laughs) Steve Cook. And that's that's a secret to success. Like, it's really a big secret. But, okay, so. uh, It's persistence, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. everybody's always looking for the magic bullet in real estate investing. That's exactly what it is, is persistence. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no secret magic pill. Right. It's consistency. It's persistence. It's, you know, if you've got to make 100 offers to get one deal, how bad do you want to deal? Right, you'll yeah. make a hundred offers. What if it's yep. two hundred or three hundred? It just all depends on how bad you want it. Yeah. And some people, I just think, don't want it bad enough, or they're just they're they're afraid to put in the work. I don't, you know. Yeah. Or people, you know what? I think the biggest problem I think a lot of people have, Steve, is they they let other things get in the way of making offers. They yeah. they the the tyranny of the urgent, where they they think that. All this other stuff they got to do is just busy work that's going to help them really doesn't matter because it's not really making offers. And and if if people just focus on that, they Mm -hmm. would do really well. And and I want to talk more about how you have helped other students do that in just a minute. But um, so this when did you start like, okay, regularly, consistently doing deals and quit your job? That was around the 2007 uh, time frame, and uh, I, I'll tell you, I actually had a nice—I had two nice things happen during that time period in my life. Other than doing these highly profitable, awesome deals, I had some blessings, and one of those things was that I got married to my wife, and so that allowed us to essentially live together very cheaply. 
two as essentially one on one in income that allowed me to kind of, uh, you know, mooch off my wife, I guess is what I'm trying very nice yeah. to say. And, uh, and then the other thing that happened was I was teaching guitar lessons on the side, Joe's, you know, I'm, I'm an avid guitarist and, um, and I used to teach a lot of lessons back in those days. And one of the kids that I taught, his mom happened to be a vice president of an IT company that was located about 15 minutes from my house. And so I got explaining the whole thing to her. And uh, and she said, well, you know, look, if you want to transition into real estate investing, that would be perfectly fine with me. She said, "You come, if you want to come work with us part time for a couple of few years while you get everything up and running, then we can offer you the same rate that you were making at the other place. And then you do, you know, if you want to work for us Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll go ahead and you can do real estate on a, a long weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And that's exactly what I did for a few years in order to transition into full time. Wow. And uh, and now I will say one more thing, and this is when students come into my coaching program, one of the things that we do is we sit down and we figure out kind of what do they have going for them. And a lot of times it's not readily apparent, but one of the assets that I had going for me at, at that time, even though I had no money, was I did have this job, as you know, having a job that uh, uh, allows you to make those <laughs> payments where you're living paycheck to paycheck, oftentimes puts you in a situation where you actually have a decent credit score as long as you're making all your payments. So sure. I had all that going for me, which allowed me to qualify for it at that time of debt. Now, I don't believe in, in folks saddling themselves down with debt, but at the time, what I figured out was I could do a marketing campaign to a neighborhood that I wanted to buy a townhouse as a rental in, and I could use my job to qualify for the mortgage in order to be able to do that because I knew that as soon as I quitted my job, I would not be able to qualify for that same mortgage because I did not have the income, right? So just like out of a novel, I, I, I qualified for I, I had a seller contact me off of direct marketing to this neighborhood. We agreed on a price, which in retrospect was too high, but nonetheless, I bought the property. And just like out of a novel, I typed up my two weeks notice the night before the settlement to go in and close on that property. And on a rainy, nasty day, I went to settlement that morning and I packed my two weeks notice in my bag and I walked out of the settlement and drove all the way down an hour south to my job to hand in my two weeks notice to huh. my supervisor. And I walked out and I, I, I never looked back, man. So I had bought my first rental property that at the time was cash flowing about 300 bucks a month. And, uh, wow. and that was that. I, so I used the job as the asset to be able to qualify for the income to get the cash flow and then to leave. So, yeah. you know, those two things really helped me to bridge the gap, Joe. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, so you quit your job. What year was that again? I want to say that I quit that part-time job 10 years ago. That was probably in 2007. Okay. And then I was full-time from, from that point on. But you only had one rental property, so you're, you weren't getting much cash flow from that, right? That's correct. So yep. you had to – but your wife was working, so you had some, some security there That's, a little bit. But you, you yeah. had to start making money. Were you mainly wholesaling or rehabbing? What were you focusing on? Well, so my business model almost from the very beginning after I did I did the six figure wholesale deal and uh, I did my first uh, uh, decent sized rehab deal that made you know sixty two grand. After that, I got really into the life and air stuff, and basically what I figured out was I could create this life and then create a business to support the life. So my business model from very early on was to do three deals. 
making fifty thousand dollars a piece, so it's one hundred fifty grand for essentially not even a part time job. I mean, you're talking about a couple hours a week once everything's up and running. So that's what I did for the first few years of my career. Now I've since ramped that up, but I still do shoot for about fifty grand per deal on the rehab. Some of them uh, we've done a few this year that have made seventy to eighty thousand dollars. And then we've done some that have made, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But we still try to shoot for that quality over quantity model these days. Yes. Okay. Uh, so what happened when the market crashed? Were you <laughs> caught with a lot of properties, or where where were you sitting at that time? We actually had a, a pretty good thing happen. See, again, I'm in Southern Maryland, so I'm about 30 minutes south of D.C. In D.C., it's kind of insulated from national trends. That's not to say that we didn't have foreclosures because we most definitely did. But we we didn't experience some of just the crazy wild swings that some of the other markets in the country did. See, in D.C., you've got a lot of military. You've got a lot of government always coming and going. Uh, and, you know, most people that lived in my market will commute in and out of D.C. and they're 100,000 plus jobs. So you have a husband and a wife both making over $100,000. It's a pretty good income. So it supports a really good local economy there. So we most definitely did have people that bought and took off more than they could chew. And we did have the glut of foreclosures like most other places did. But we, I think, had a softer fall and an easier recovery. So what happened is I saw the whole thing happening. And what I did is I started adjusting the ARVs as the market was going down because I could kind of see it happen. So ARVs that other rehabbers were buying kind of based on today's ARV, I knew tomorrow's ARV when they were done that project was going to be less. So I was always – I just always had my eyes wide open on forecasting the ARV. And the other thing that we did is I wanted my ARVs to be the same or slightly less than the foreclosures in – and the short sales that were on the market at the time. So, Joe, for every three listings, it was a rehab, a short sale, and a foreclosure. And the case that the appraisers were making when we were going to sell these things were, look, short sales and foreclosures are now the market. So they were comparing you on an appraisal. You were getting appraised up against a short sale or a foreclosure, even if you had a full-blown rehab. But my thing is I've always been kind of – I always tend toward like the market psychology aspect of things. And if you are a buyer – and you have a real estate agent who's taking you around on a cold, winter, nasty, rainy day, and you're looking at a bunch of houses all day long, and you look at a bunch of short sales, and you look at a bunch of foreclosures, and you're walking through them, you know, the power's off, it's dark, it's nasty, it's cold, there's no heat on, you're walking around, and the uh, the smoke alarm's like, beep, you know, because the batteries run out, and, and, and it's just scary and nasty and gross. And at the end of the day, you walk into my rehab house that's staged, the heat's on, it's warm, it smells nice, it mm. looks beautiful, it's all brand new. But here's the thing. The client, you, you turn around and you say to your real estate agent, how much did you say this was? Oh, this is this is um, $1,000 less than all the other houses that we looked at today. This is completely in your budget. Then the question becomes, how quick can we get back to your office and write an offer on this property? And so what we were doing during that time is I was actually intentionally pricing it that way so that I would rig multiple bids on my property. So we were getting five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 more for listing it at the same price or slightly less than the competing foreclosures and short sales in the market. So we were actually selling like hotcakes during the downturn. Wow. And if it happens again, I hope it happens the same type of way because I'll use the same type of strategy. <laughs> so you didn't own a bunch of houses. You didn't have a ton of debt. So, right. you know, the days our market started growing, mm-hmm. but 
you were always ahead of that, right, Steve? Because you were pricing your homes where you knew they would sell. Yep. Yep, that's right. And I watched a lot of investors around me drop like flies because they were still going on after yesterday's ARV, not tomorrow's ARV. And so you were you were buying them better and smarter than anybody yeah. else. Man, that's so good. I, there, I, I remember, man, back then in 2009, between 2000, really 2008 and 2010, everybody was just talking about, is the market going to stop falling? Is it going to go any lower? Uh, mm-hmm. is it, is this, is the worst behind us? Is this just a little blip? And yeah. it didn't matter really, did it? I mean, you just, and that's the cool thing about the housing market. It's not like the stock market where the stock market can turn on a dime and literally overnight it's down five, 10, 15% over, you know, maybe 5% in one day and 20% over a week, something mm-hmm. crazy like that. <laughs> Let's not even talk about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. <laughs> Right. But, you know, the housing market, it's a lot slower process, isn't it? It's a lot slower turn. It's easier to see the handwriting on the wall. And um, I think one of the keys that a lot of people need to think about is stop thinking of yourself as a magician that that's the that that has the golden fingertips that everything that you touch will be successful because. You can't dictate to the market what it should do. The market's going to dictate to you what it's going to do. And you just have to make sure you're buying right and you're selling right. I mean, I remember at the time, don't you, Steve Cook was talking a lot about this, right? You've got to build this into your – I forgot. I lost my train of thought here. But what was the – what were some of the things that Steve was talking about back then when in, in the this whole philosophy? Do you remember that? I don't remember him particularly, but I mean, the, the bottom line is this, Joe. To, to me, I, I believe that a good real estate investor can make money in an up, down, or sideways market. Just look at paper investors, folks who, who trade for a living and stuff like that. I mean, they can make money yeah. regardless of the market, right? And uh, I believe that a really good real estate investor learns the uh, techniques and tactics to be able to do that. And, you know, like right now, for example, when we're selling on the market right now, things are still pretty hot in my market in D.C. And uh, we can still shoot for above what properties have been selling for because we're still are in an appreciating market. Now, I do think that we're seeing some leveling off of that and whatnot, but the bottom line is that the strategy is different right now, right, than, than I had ex- explained before. If we start to go to where we go into a decline, then the strategy, at least on the sell side, is going to be different. On the buy side, it's always the same. You're just always making sure that you're paying much, much, much less uh, than market value and you know, using a formula and scientifically uh, and consistently making offers. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant to say. It's just being a student of the market, not thinking that you're smarter than the market. And if you know what your buyers will buy houses for, then you just buy it for less than that. Doesn't matter what market direction it's going in, right? That's really good. Okay, so um, Steve, you start you start a local real estate club in yep. Southern Maryland, right? And when when yep. year did you start that? Oh, that was probably about 10 years ago as well. I, uh, it might even be more like 11 years. We may have started that in 2006, 2007. I started that right around the same time that I started getting into investing because I knew that I wanted to have like-minded individuals around me. I wanted to surround myself with the people that were doing more than me. I wanted to surround myself with people that needed my help. I just wanted to create an ecosystem that was a lot like a RIA 
but without anybody feeling like they were going to get pitched on anything. I just wanted to create a very good networking group. And I'm proud to say that today that Southern Maryland Real Estate Investors Group has over 1,300 members. We started our very, very first meeting with 10 people. Huh. <laughs> That's not a lot of people, man. 10 people. Yeah. But that was people. in uh, that was 2010. Is that what you said? Or two, no, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. So it was around, it was 2006, 2007. Okay. Yeah. And the, the market was at its fever pitch back then. Everybody was all excited. Yeah, you you had ten people in. I love how you you didn't feel like you had to be the real estate expert that had flipped a hundred deals before you could start a group like that. Yeah, you just saw a need in the marketplace, right? Yeah, a need in the marketplace. And really, I'll be honest with you, I started it for selfish reasons. I wanted to surround myself with people that were doing deals. I wanted to surround myself with people that I could potentially wholesale to or partner with or borrow money from or any of those things. I just wanted to develop that ecosystem, Joe. Mm -hmm. All right. So then um, you start the REA group. What happens? It starts to grow. Does it? Did it fulfill all of your uh, wishes for the group? Well, it, it did, but a great byproduct of starting the group was that people started coming to me because I was running it. I was standing up in front of it every month and people wanted to know how they could kind of start doing what I was doing. So thereafter, I spoke with my coach, Steve Cook, who uh, you know recommended to me that I put in place this coaching program. So uh, in late 2008, I started coaching. So I've been doing it now for nine years and it's it's been wonderful. And I've helped you know 35 people uh, start their real estate investing businesses over that time. And uh, we've sold somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 million worth of real estate through the coaching program. And uh, it's, it's been a been a really cool ride. So that's interesting. You had from your RIA group, people bringing you deals, you're partnering mm -hmm. people, but you're also doing coaching yep. through the RIA. Now, what is your coaching program? Well, let's talk about this, Steve, what it looked like back then and what it looks like now. Could we do that? Sure. So uh, it's very similar. Basically, what we do is somebody comes into my coaching program and we joint venture on their first three deals. So what that means is I help them find, finance, fix and flip their first three rehab deals. OK, a lot of people come to me and they say, well, I just want to learn wholesaling or I just want to learn bird dogging or I just want to just buy and hold. And Joe, the, the argument that I make in that case is, look, this is all about fundamentals, right? And what we've been talking about so far today is all about fundamentals. Real estate investing is about fundamentals, just like baseball or anything else out there. You get, if you learn the fundamentals, you can build on it, right? So in wholesaling, you have to know what are repairs going to cost you. I mean, I'm sure that you'll be willing to admit, Joe, that today too many wholesalers are overestimating ARV and they're underestimating repairs. So how do you learn repairs? Well, you, you rehab a house or two or three and you figure out what repairs are. You work with a bunch of contractors hand in hand with them. That's how you learn to really value repairs, you know, and, and to buy right as well. And what it takes to sell a property on the back end. You want to understand your wholesale buyers, become a rehabber first. Then you're going to think like they are, then scale up your wholesaling. Buy and hold. I have a lot of people say, well, I just want to buy and hold. I don't want to rehab or wholesale or do any of those other things. So I say, well, look, if you're going to have a tenant in a property, they're eventually going to leave. Okay, and now you're going to have to turn that property over. So that means you're going to have to put in new carpet. You're going to have to paint it. You might have to fix a vanity. You might have to put in a new kitchen. Well, how do you know? How are you going to work with contractors in that 
in that scenario. How are you going to get the best pricing on those materials? How are you going to manage multiple subcontractors? Well, the best way to do that is to learn the fundamentals through rehabbing. And the best way to learn fundamentals through rehabbing is to have somebody who's done it many times looking over your shoulders. Have somebody who has the network already created that you can plug right into. So my students can just contact me and say, hey, Steve, I need a contractor for carpet over here in this zip code. Do you have a good recommendation for me? Absolutely, I do. I keep a running Rolodex of the people that we're always using. So I'll fire that right off to them and boom, they've got somebody, boom, right out. All the homework's already been done for them, right? So, so back to my point is it's three rehab deals and what we do is we split the profits 50-50 on that. And, uh, you know, together we've done somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 deals, uh, over the past. So that is, that's amazing, Steve, 250 deals and your real estate club is still not that big. How many people do you have on a normal Uh, meeting? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I'm hoping people out there listening to this, maybe getting some light bulbs popping off in your heads. So you start this real estate club because selfish reasons, you want more deals. And uh, it turns into a coaching program because you get a lot of people coming to you and say, hey, can you help me with this? And you're like, sure, I can help you. But you can't help everybody for free. So they need to have some skin in the game, right? And so you... And I appreciate that. Maybe you can talk about that for just a quick minute, Steve. Like, why don't you just coach people for free? Why don't you just, you know, if they can bring you a deal, if they're willing to put in all the work, why can't you just coach them for free and split the deal? Sure. So um, I've gone down that path, Joe, and I've got the T-shirt for that one, too. The problem Uh that happens when people want something for free, number one, they don't place any value on it. Think about the last time somebody gave you a book versus going out and buying a mm-hmm. book. Which which book are you going to read first? The one that you bought or the one that was just given to you? Most people are going to study the course that they've paid for versus go to the event that somebody just gave them a ticket for, right? It's expendable at that point. So that's number right. one. There's a huge mental thing that happens there when you put up money, you invest yourself in something. You know, so it's always worth what it is, what what you're paying for. And when you give free advice to people, that's exactly what it is. There's no commitment there, Joe, you know? And so I have helped people and I still actually, honestly, Joe, to this day, I I will, um, you know, I just moved to Palm beach, as you know, Florida, and I'm meeting with folks around here and I have sat down to lunch with a couple newbies who have asked me out to lunch. And I don't do that, especially back in Maryland. I don't do that, but it's been, uh, I've seen this just play out here recently where, look, if there's nothing invested except for lunch, you're probably not going to follow through with it. Because as we talked about at the beginning of this call, you must persist and you must pay your dues. And I think the way that you're going to do that is within a coaching structure where you have something to lose and you have something to lose not only on an upfront basis, but on on an ongoing basis. And then you have something to gain on the back end of it where you have 50% of, you know, typical profit for one of my coaching students is in between 40 and $50,000. So we're talking about potentially making, you know, $60,000 on an average student in my program. One of my total rock stars came in my program and made $175,000 on his deals in the first 14 months of being with me. Uh, So, it pays for it. It pays for itself. Bottom line, it completely pays for itself. Yes, because yeah, you get this a lot when um, people just expect, maybe not expect, but hope that they'll get something for free. Mm-hmm. It just you 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 value what you pay for, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, there are, there's plenty of free podcasts and free YouTube videos and free forums and really cheap books that you can get out there that teach you how to rehab and flip houses. But if you want somebody that's in the trenches, will be in the trenches with you and uh, has been there, done that, knows the mistakes, knows the title companies to use, knows the lenders, knows the inspectors, knows the realtors to use, then uh, you have to pay for that. And, yeah. that, and your your time is really really valuable, Steve. And when, and I want to say this to everybody listening to this: when you go and you tell somebody, "Hey, can I just uh, take you out for lunch and pick your brain?" You don't really value their time, and and that's it's almost offensive <laughs> right. uh, to do that to somebody. It's just not fair because then you put them in an co- uncomfortable position where they have to say, uh, "No, you know what? I'm I'm I can't. I'm too busy, or that's just not what I do, or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, don't be that guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, don't be that guy. If you, you understand the, the number of the amount of money that Steve makes and how much he is worth per hour, why would he want to spend one or two hours of his life with somebody that with, you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but <laughs> it's just kind of, that, that gets old. It really does. It gets under my skin. Yeah. So, um, Steve, now you live in you don't live in uh southern maryland anymore do you i do not i live in uh, palm beach gardens florida nice yeah so why did you move well there's a beach here uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh right now it is 82 degrees outside oh. um i'll be uh in st louis seeing you tomorrow where it is what 30 some degrees cold yeah <laughs> cold. um so yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one reason, though, the main reason is it's just nice. And, uh, you know, I, I we did this thing where we came down here a couple of years ago and snowbirded down here. My wife and I have been coming down here for about 18 years and we just love it down here, man. I mean, you know, we're two miles from the beach here. Uh, it's just uh, it's a beautiful area, man. And it's just great uh, year round. Nice and warm. I'm a guy that just doesn't like the cold. My wife is the same way. And, uh, you know, we just want to be warm, but, uh, you know, I had to put everything in place to be able to make this move, but we're, we're super excited about being down here. So what made you think you could run a rehab business and a real estate club and a coaching business from down in Florida, uh, in, in the, uh, in Maryland? Well, I, I'll, I'll first just want to say I've got an amazing team in Maryland and it is not possible to do great things without great people. So uh, it's just been a true, true blessing to me to be able to work with the folks that I work with up, up there in Maryland. They're all a great blessing to me. And if I didn't have them in place, then I wouldn't be able to do this. So that's first and foremost. But really, more directly to answer your question is you've got to have, in my case, a, a coach uh, mentoring group, uh, mastermind group that you can bounce these like crazy ideas off of. Like, hey, I want to move to Florida, but continue to run a uh, rehabbing, hard money lending, uh, RIA, uh, you know, all the other activities that I'm involved in, you know, 1600 miles away or whatever the case might be, however far it is. And that's a crazy idea if you haven't thought about it before. And yeah. uh, it, I'll be honest with you, it took a few years to put all the pieces in place, but now. You know, by the grace of God, we've done it, and uh, it's it's been fantastic. So you've got a great team that kind of helps you, runs this with you. Um, oh, yeah. Now, there was a time when you were living – weren't you living in Florida for six months and then Maryland for six months? Yeah, we snowbirded down here two years ago. So what we did was we lived in uh, Florida for January through April, 
of that year. That was not this past winter, but the one prior. And that was like proof of concept for us. And I flew back to Maryland once a month for two or three days just to make sure my students were okay and to run my RIA and stuff like that. And that is still what I do now. And um, yeah, you know, we tried that out. And actually, as a bonus for your listeners, if they'd be interested in more details about how I made that happen and uh, how I created what I call the 10 hour uh, work week, I do have a free book that they can go download at uh, snowbirdflipper.com. Oh, I did not know this. Okay, Snowbird Flipper. Flipper. <laughs> yeah. All right. com. how to create a real life 10 hour work week by Steve Cavanaugh. Nice. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get this and uh, the link for this will be in the show notes, guys. Snowbirdflipper.com. S-N-O-W-B-I-R-D-F-L-I-P-P-E-R. Okay. So you're, now you live in Florida full time and mm-hmm. uh, you're still rehabbing deals up in Southern Maryland. Are you starting to rehab in Florida at all now? I'm not yet, but I certainly am making a good number of contacts down here. Luckily, I've, I've got uh, I've got somewhat of a national presence, and people kind of knew me when I got down here and started making the rounds. So that's really helped to open a lot of doors. I was just fortunate to, enough to be in a really good mastermind here this past Friday. Uh, Chris Chico was there, Mark Evans, uh, Alex Pardo. Nice. Some other guys that you would know. And, man, we had a great time. And that was actually uh, it was a fundraiser that we're doing. The same group, all of us, is going to go down to the Keys to, do, uh, to deliver $16,000 worth of toys and gift cards that we were able to raise. Uh, next Saturday, the 16th, I don't know if I'm supposed to say a date on here or not, Joe. That's no, uh, all right. It's all right. Yeah. So, so that's what we're doing. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm able to get in with a great group of folks down here that are really doing great things, not only here locally, but across the country in different markets. And, uh, and, and, uh, it's just, it's been awesome. Very good. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I was just, um, texting Chris this morning. Yeah. He's a great guy, man. <laughs> all right. So, um, you now have this business. You're getting several different streams of income, it sounds like to me, right? You're getting money from rehabs that you're doing yourself personally. You're getting money from coaching, but you're mm-hmm. also getting money from partnering with students on rehabbing deals as well, right? That's correct. Uh, all those, uh, all those and, and more. You know, now, now what I've done is I've set up the coaching program in such a way that when, for example, we bring on a new lender to lend to the students, uh, I'll get a piece of the action on the loan. Nice. We're doing stuff where, uh, for example, when, when we have people come in and sponsor the RIA for either six to 12 months, they'll go ahead and they'll, you know, pay 200 some bucks a month to have a exclusive uh, sponsorship of their particular industry and their signage at the RIA and things like that. So there are these different ways to monetize uh, the different aspects of what I do. You know, and in some cases, uh, you know, if we if we have a wholesale deal, sometimes we'll move that over to a student instead of just putting it out there for the for the general public because and, and I'm not going to juice the front end of a, of a wholesale deal to my student because I'm participating in that 50-50 split on the back end. I'm just reimbursing myself for marketing costs and the like. Uh, but there are different uh, avenues that you can kind of go when you have a coaching program plugged into your local model. I love this, Steve, because a lot of people, you know, they've approached me and asked them to help them create a coaching business. And they, one of the biggest objections or the, the fears that they have is like, I don't have a big national presence, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't have a big list. I don't have a podcast. I don't have, you know, I'm not good at like speaking in front of large audiences. I don't have the platform to speak from. People think they'd have to have a large national presence to have a coaching business, but you have said, you've proven this, that you don't. 
you just need to have really good experience in a good in a local market on doing deals and you can start simple real estate clubs like what you've done and uh just be active in your community and you're going to attract people that want to learn what you're doing right yeah that's right that's right um i mean i I don't know if, if this is okay with you, Joe, but I'm just going to come right and say I am looking to work with folks who are interested in changing people's lives through real estate investing. And the the type of person, Joe, that I'm looking for is somebody just like you mentioned, somebody who knows what they're doing. They're an active rehabber slash wholesaler yeah. in their local market that I would like to say is making $250,000 to $300,000 a year with that activity mm-hmm. in their local market. Who has all the contacts? So people who know the realtors, contractors, attorneys, title companies, private lenders, etc. But really, Joe, above and beyond the the money and, and everything else, that, and the and the fulfillment and significance that you get from being a local coach, you have to have that heart to see others succeed, and you have to want to play a part in their education and development. Yeah. One of the biggest things that fires me up when I'm working with students is to see somebody believe in themselves. And when you can take a student from A to Z all the way through a rehab and you see that confidence that gets built in them, man, that is uh, that's that's one of the extremely, extremely most fulfilling things um, that I've ever done. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if somebody wants to wants to um, wants to go down that path, then yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Steve, because I was getting to that point. Okay. okay. <laughs> you just Sorry. got a little impatient. Sorry. <laughs> no, but this is good. See, here's the cool thing about Steve. I love what he's doing because it's so easy to duplicate, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's easy to – if you're out there listening to this and you're actively doing deals, you're regularly doing deals. I mean, you have some experience. You have that T-shirt. You've been there, done that. You've been in the trenches And you've got this burning desire in you to want to help other people, but you're like, oh man, I don't, I don't have to, I I have to build these fancy webinars and I have to build these fancy funnels and got to get a podcast and YouTube and a blog and blah, blah, blah. And you're like overwhelmed by that, but you're thinking, oh, wait a minute. Like I could get, I could start something like a local real estate club, or I could take my existing real estate club that I have and start doing deals and doing coaching with people and bring the local experience because you know we're all frustrated and tired of these big national coaching companies that come into town and uh, you know promise the world and promise millions of dollars to people be millionaires whatever but then they leave and if you've got a you know if you're a student and you want to know if this deal on this side of the street is a good deal or not this guy out in Utah is not going to know right. He's not going to be able to give you the the title company that can help you or the hard money lender that can help you or the contractor that can help you or whatnot. But if you're working with somebody local, especially if you're doing rehabbing, I think this is the best way to get help. And so what Steve is saying, guys, if if you're interested in getting a business like Steve, I'm not getting any kind of a promotion or a commission or affiliate with Steve doing. I just like Steve so much. I wanted to get him on the podcast and talk about his business and talk about his coaching business. You got to talk to them and say, hey, listen, what what are you doing? How do I get, how can I do this as well? And Steve's looking to work with a few people. So I'm excited about that, Steve, because you have a tremendous amount to uh, to offer to people that I think can help people, help coaches and help students, right? Because you're giving, you're showing people how to become better coaches in a local market so more local students can get better help. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how can people get a hold of you? Is it through that book that you were talking about before? 
Well, uh, if they want help uh, developing a coaching program like we just spoke about, and uh, they can go ahead and go to the website. It's reicoaching.com. That's real estate investing coaching at reicoaching.com. Nice. Okay, good. I'm, I just went there now, reicoaching.com. That redirects yep. to a, a page where you can, they can fill out some information. Yep. And uh, you'll get it. You'll reach out to them and talk to them. I think yep. this is uh, it's really important, guys, and I highly, highly recommend Steve. I've been looking up to him for years and years, and I consider him a very good friend. He's very successful, and uh, I, th- I would highly recommend If you're at all interested in coaching, go to reicoaching.com. A link will be in the show notes if you want to check it out later. Hey, thanks, Steve. I know I've taken you over your time. I apologize. No you're, you're a good man. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Yeah, man. I'll see you real right, soon, hey, Joe. Are you driving your Tesla up or are you flying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying, man. Oh, man. You sure you don't want to drive it up? <laughs> hey, man, you come down to Palm Beach anytime, man, and we'll take it first, man. <laughs> That's funny. Guys, just real quick, you want to know what kind of investor Steve is? He wanted a Tesla. So you know what he did? He went and bought a house, okay, and he's using the cash flow from that house to pay for the Tesla. That's and right. so you'll have the Tesla paid off in a few years. Well, somebody else will pay it off, yeah. And somebody else. He'll have his tenant pay off his Tesla in a few years. Now he'll have a paid-off Tesla and a paid-off house. So that's that's how Steve rolls. Okay. Hey, thanks, Steve. <laughs> thanks a lot, Joe. I appreciate it, All man. right, guys, go to reicoaching.com, reicoaching.com to get more information about Steve and to work with him, and you won't regret it. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 